Hey y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm your other co-host, Simon Villanos. And on this week, we're going to be talking about underclassmen. You probably have already seen some requests with some underclassmen. And we're going to wrap it up with a batch of quarterbacks this week. And the first one that we're going to talk about is Blake Barnett, the six foot, 200 pound quarterback out of Erie High School. And I actually had a chance to coach against Blake. And, you know, it's not the fondest memory because it was my first game ever coaching. But, you know, this guy is going to be really special. And I'm just going to go ahead and talk about things that I really liked about um, Blake and his strengths. So Blake Barnett is an excellent runner. You know, I think he might even be a run first quarterback if I'm going to be a thousand percent honest. And you could see that Erie used him in that way because his pass attempts were Definitely a little bit on the lower side, but I'll talk about that later. And he has fairly effortless arm strength. There's this one play against Greeley West High School where he rolls out right and he just flicks his wrist. He doesn't even step into the throw or engage his hips at all. And it's just like a 40-yard pass that the receiver bobbles and eventually catches for a touchdown. So, you know, pretty effortless as far as arm strength. And I think that he has a lot of potential there on building off of said arm strength and velocity. But... I'm mainly going to talk about his strengths being that he runs the ball super well. He runs the read option very proficiently. You know, he makes good reads when running the ball. He can find lanes super well and has good vision. And, you know, he definitely brings running back skills to the quarterback position. I also think that he has really solid moves and specifically his stiff arm and like his quick cuts are his go-to. And he moves pretty well for being six foot, 200 pounds. You know, he definitely has a more stout frame, but he moves pretty well. So, Simon, what were some strengths that you saw of Blake Barnett? Yeah, so obviously all of the same stuff. I think you can't uh, not talk about his running ability because it's excellent, if I'm being completely honest. He might be one of the better, or he was probably one of the better scrambling quarterbacks in the state of Colorado this last year, I want to say. Uh, Cody, I'm sure you have the numbers on that, but we could talk about that more in a minute. Um, but yeah, no, so he could definitely run and you know what for somebody his size as well He definitely has some power to him as well. I saw him throw a couple of really good stiff arms He's a tougher kiddo to bring down because he is stout at six foot 200 He kind of has that Baker Mayfield frame, but he moves better than Baker Mayfield. So <laughs> that's interesting, but you know, that's something you love to have because that means you can open up the playbook a ton. And then you could kind of just coach him up passing-wise later on. But as of right now, I feel I really do feel like his running ability was one of the biggest reasons why he was able to take the keys uh, right away for this eerie offense as a as a freshman, I believe. You know, as a as a teenager, as one of the younger, probably the youngest guys on the team. And so being that dynamic definitely has a lot of fusses to it. In addition, he does have an excellent arm, I would say, you know. Uh, we'll talk about areas of improvements here in a little bit, but, you know, his arm power is great. It, it's very effortless, like you mentioned, I believe. Um, he just, he can flick it downfield and it'll get there. Accuracy, you see some flashes there as well. And so, I mean, it's it's good to know that he could throw the ball because he is a quarterback. So, <laughs> so that's never a bad thing. But, you know, at that, you know, he could throw the ball well. Like, you can't just stack the box because he could throw 60 to 50-yard bombs on you if you're not careful or disciplined, either one. And so he is the definition of a dual threat, being able to have those two. And then lastly, I think I got to mention, you know, I got to mention his awareness. I feel like he has some 
pretty good awareness in the pocket. Uh, he senses pressure really well. I know there are some quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks that are stepping into a high school uh, starting position as a freshman who just don't have great awareness. They just don't, um, whether it's because of the experience or whatever. Uh, but, you know, Blake, he does have great awareness, I would say, and he doesn't take a lot of sacks or um, or I guess a lot of tackles for losses either. And, you know, he's always he always has his head on a swivel, which is a good thing to have because, to be honest, awareness is probably one of the hardest things to teach a quarterback because they either have it or they don't. And if they don't, then they find a way to kind of power through it. And that's why you see quarterbacks like Mason Rudolph in the NFL who have no pocket awareness, but they have a great arm, so that bails them out. So, there you go. But, <laughs> Cody, <laughs> I had to throw Yeah, that. You, you just have to throw I had to. shade every, I had to. every episode. But, you know, that's reality, you know. So, Blake's not that, at least. Or at least not right now, from what I can see, he's not that. But... Do you mind if I kind of start talking about some areas of improvement slash concerns for uh, Blake Barnett here? Yeah, proceed. Okay, so uh, I did not coach against him, but I did watch you coach against him, Cody. <laughs> and there, there are a lot of things that obviously, you know, I'm not, I could say this because I wasn't on your coaching staff, that y'all just didn't do well. So you had some easier plays. But if I was to coach against him um, defensively, and I am a defensive minded coach, I would probably force him to throw the ball and I'd send everyone at him. I'm just saying yeah, what I no, observed. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so there you go. But yeah, so anyways, defensively, I would probably throw the house at him. Uh, well, that is if I have corners that I feel like could do at least a decent job on the receivers. To be honest, if, they're if the receivers are open, maybe... 40 or 50% of the time, I could live with that. But I would force Blake to work in the pocket and throw strikes and have to diagnose defenses because watching Blake Barnett play really, I guess, as the highlight reel and as the film went on, it just became very apparent that he kind of plays very reactionary, which is not a bad thing, you know, but it's it's definitely, there's definitely a double-edged sword to that because either... You know, he makes great decisions and he's able to improvise really well, which I believe he can do. But there's also, you know, the fact of the matter that if there's a tougher defense out there or better coach defense out there, they will find a way to confuse him a little bit. And so if Blake thinks there's a spot there uh, or a receiver open and tries to force it in there, you know, chances are there's coaches that are uh, betting on him to make that throw there and they're probably manipulating the defense to throw him off. And so... I'd like to see Blake, and maybe this is on the offensive coordinator over there and whatnot as well, but I'd like to see Blake probably throw a wider variety of routes and more passing concepts just in general because, you know, it's good that he could run. We all know he could run, and that's great. You know, it'll bail him out of a lot of situations like I talked about earlier with his positives. But at the end of the day, if you want to win state or make deep runs of the playoffs or win those close games, you got to have some sort of structure with that passing game. And so... I need to see a little bit more out of that. I need to see him make some better decisions, uh, throw some more complicated passing concepts that could combat those more complicated defenses. Because uh, as of right now, I'm not quite sure if Blake can run those. And, you know, I understand he, he is a freshman right now. And so going into the season, he really didn't have a lot of time to prepare just in general. And so that probably might be the reason why he ran the ball as much. So I'm just going to acknowledge that right away. But just in general, moving forward, I'd like to see him throw the ball a little bit more uh, and then go through his reads especially and develop as a passer because 
I think as an athlete and as a football player, he's great. But as a quarterback, which is the position he plays, he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to improve if he uh, wants to get to where he wants to be someday. But anyways, Cody, what about you? What are some things that you pick out uh, when it comes to Blake Barnett here? Yeah, so with Barnett, you know, I'm going to obviously agree with everything that you had to say and, you know, admit that that's all valid. And I also just want to mention that, like you said, you know, he didn't have a lot of time to prepare, as did none of these freshman quarterbacks really due to COVID. And, you know, with that came a very limited kind of sample size with a lot of these quarterbacks as well. We're looking at pretty minimal film of at least two quarterbacks on this list that we're going to talk about on this episode. But... Going back to Barnett, you know, I think that his throwing motion needs a lot of work. It's kind of all over the place. And Simon and I actually talked about this before the episode. You could see like it starts at his footwork. You know, it's it's a running back's footwork, not a quarterback's footwork. And so from his base up, there's just not a lot of stability, I would say, or like a lot of consistency. And so you could see it in his throwing motion that it's kind of all over the place and, uh, I think, I think that he probably just needs to get more reps, honestly, yeah. to refine that and iron some things out. And you also mentioned the the route tree was next to nothing, basically, through like five different kinds of routes, maybe. And then I also want to mention that he needs to work on ball placement. You can see on like some of his throws that he could underthrow his receiver at times. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to get lucky with that sometimes. But if he, if he wants to go to the next level, those are interceptions. 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. So definitely needs to work on ball placement. Absolutely. And then something that I noticed about Erie scheme, whenever they had, you know, just straight up pass plays is that he was in max pass protection. So I don't know how he reacts or how he manipulates the pocket whenever he's faced with a blitz, you know, on a, on a true pass play where they don't have him rolling out or running like a read option kind of thing. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I can imagine with his footwork that, you know, he would just try and take off and run and he probably could miss out on some big plays if he's not looking downfield. So, you know, I want to, I wonder what it's going to look like when we see him face the pressure that, you know, you even recommended as a DC to combat his athleticism. I also think that, you know, adding on to his throwing motion a little bit that he could look a little lazy sometimes when throwing the ball. Like, Sure. There's one play in particular where like he he literally flicks it like, you know, he's playing catch in his backyard or something. You know, he doesn't engage anything. He just raises his elbow and then just drops it like a dart. And you you want to see you know, even if it's on a play that doesn't matter, you should be trying to do everything right technique wise, you know. So just for Blake, I'd say be more committed and just stick go back to the fundamentals. I'd say work on your dropbacks, work on the dropbacks first, you know, even though you might be out of shotgun a lot more work on your dropbacks from under center and that'll help with your footwork and, you know, work it, work it up from the bottom up. And so do we want to talk about a little bit of outlook here? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, basically, so basically what we're both saying is that he just needs to be a better pocket passer. Is yes. what it is. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk Outlook. So he already has the job. <laughs> <laughs> for now. Oh, yeah, you're right, for now. Um, I'm going to have to bring this up, actually, now that you actually mentioned that. So this is just something that you kind of see a lot. It's just a pattern that you see in a lot of coaching staffs. It's not just Colorado. It happens anywhere. But whenever you have a very athletic quarterback, 
and maybe they're not the better passer. Um, it doesn't matter where you're at. There's always, a, I should say, an opportunity or an option when it comes to a coaching staff to move that kiddo to a position that would help them out a little bit better if they have a guy who's more of a traditional quarterback. And here's why. Because, obviously, if you got two good quarterbacks and one is more athletic uh, and then the other one's good, you know, but he's a pocket passer, you want to get both of them out there because they're playmakers, right? Uh, but you can't get both of them out there at quarterback because that just doesn't work. It, it doesn't help to switch out reps anyways. And so usually the more athletic quarterback will get kicked out to another position. That way they could stay on the field more. And then you could have the other guy as well. My concern, and I'm saying this because I know Erie's program, not just at the high school level, but at the middle school up. And it's an excellent program. Uh, shout out to the PE teacher over there, Murray. <laughs> but... Um, I'm, I can almost guarantee you there's going to be another guy coming up in the next three years because it is a while that could potentially push Blake Barnett as a passer. And so if I'm Blake, you know, I be, I guess, proactive about this. Be a better passer uh, because I can't see his job getting taken away at quarterback and him having maybe a weird transition year between, you know, quarterback and receiver. And then that's basically a wasted year. And then your, your film goes down altogether. So... Um, I would say as of now, he's good, but you know, he needs to get better or he's definitely in danger of losing his job. So more so than a lot of these other quarterbacks on this list, I would say even, uh, what do you think about that though, Cody? I definitely think that it's good advice for Blake to stay vigilant, you know, and to be aware and be ready for, you know, that every year is going to be a competition, right? Just because you had a pretty solid freshman year where you scored a lot of points and you have all these great plays, you know, I wouldn't say that the competition was, you know, the craziest, you know, you didn't face like, he didn't do this against a Loveland team. Right. No. So like, once you start to face like some of those prestigious programs, that's when you will really get an indicator on how far Blake Barnett can take you. Right. Yeah. So he has to be ready to perform against top teams in the state, you know, and he, I think that for his job to be safe, you know, he'd have to win like a conference title basically, or, or a division title. I mean, so, Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, just, I mean, even, even the backups at Erie are also really good passers. Like almost every quarterback on that Erie roster this past year had arm power. Okay. Right. So it's like Barnett got the job because, you know, he was also super athletic, but it's like, what happens when you get a quarterback who has arm power and, you know, better accuracy or mechanics, right? That yeah. immediately puts Blake in danger of losing the job, like you said, or moving to wide receiver or running back, where I think he could also succeed, you know, just because of how athletic he is, potentially. Sure. So, you know, they're going to do what they need to do to win. And so it, it's kind of up to Blake how involved he is in that equation. I will say, though, you know, as freshman, in his first game, you want to hear his stat line, man? <laughs> you want to hear his yeah. stat line against Greeley West? Four for six for 135 yards and three TDs. Jesus. Six carries for 121 yards and a touchdown. So what you're saying is that three out of his four passes were touchdown passes. Yeah. One of them, to be fair, was a screen. But, okay. you know, it's, well, it's still a touchdown's a touchdown, right? Yeah. And, and he had 662 total yards in his three games and nine TDs. So when you have someone who's that dynamic... Obviously, you'd love for him to be the long-term answer at quarterback. And I think that he can improve. You know, I think that 
the the sky's the limit basically for Blake here. I agree. And another thing to consider that I forgot to bring up was he did just play with uh, Mason Vive, who is a CSU commit, right? And one of the best backs in the state. So I kind of want to see what happens to his running abilities when the defense doesn't have to key on Mason first. Because I definitely sure. would say that as a DC, Mason is your biggest threat on that eerie offense. So I think this sophomore year is going to be really huge and kind of a real reveal on what we're what we might get out of Blake Barnett for the next three years. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to agree. Uh, look, there's no guarantee that any of these quarterbacks that we talk about last these next couple of years, if I'm being completely honest, because, you know, the I guess one of the perks of starting early on is that a lot of teams didn't get to look at you before. Unless they're looking at middle school film, but I don't know how much you really want to trust that. So that means next year there's going to be defensive coordinators that will know what to do. To be honest, I don't know. For all we know, they could be listening to this podcast. <laughs> and then Blake's going to be facing a bunch of stacked boxes. And he's going to have to throw. And he's going to have to throw under pressure. And he's going to have to roll out the pocket. And he's going to have to manipulate the pocket. Because if he doesn't, then, yeah, I don't know. You know, so that's why we're giving him this advice. Because uh, I think it's reasonable to anticipate all of this happening. Because it's not exactly rocket science at this point. I feel like that's just straight logic. So... Yeah. Working on uh, getting through reads as well yes. would be, would be a, a big-time recommendation because I think most of his passes were one-read throws yeah. this past year. So As most quarterbacks would be their freshman year, but sure. nonetheless, definitely something to consider. Yeah. All right, then. Well, coming up next, uh, we got another quarterback on this list, another freshman at that. Uh, coming up next. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast right here. We're going to continue our underclassman episode and talk about Genoa Trujillo from Greeley Central High School. He is a 5'11", 165-pound quarterback. And so I got to throw this out there. Genoa is one of my boys. Uh, <laughs> back, oh my gosh, I want to say back in 2017, I was a little freshman at UNC, and his father actually won. Shout out to Coach Trujillo over there. Um, he invited me over to Heath Middle School. I got to watch a couple of their games, help out a little bit there as well. And so I'm very familiar with Genoa Trujillo. Um, I'm very familiar with actually a lot of the players he's continued to play with over at Greeley Central as well, I would say. And so I'm really excited to talk about him. Uh, he was requested a while ago, and then I think he you talked to him a little bit uh, before we recorded this episode as well. So let's uh, let's go into the areas of improvements first because I think there are some good strengths here, but let's go into the areas of improvements. Uh, first things first, I think, and you could probably see this too, Cody. Um, yeah, you could probably see this too, but I think he definitely needs to work on just getting stronger, and he will because he is a freshman. He's only 165 right now. But I think getting stronger, you know, making sure that frame is tough, making sure that uh, his arm power is there. Because I do think when he sets his feet and whatnot, like he could spin the ball really well. But I think there are some limits there because of uh, where he's at right now physically. And he will get stronger. But there are times where you see him throw deep and he's kind of, I mean, it's not, how should I say this? It's not inefficient because it gets there, I guess. But he does throw his body into it. Wouldn't you agree? 
I agree wholeheartedly. It's the first thing I wrote down. <laughs> yeah. And so that'll improve. And when I think he'll get better there, I think another thing he could definitely improve on just in general, I, I, okay. In my opinion, um, and I, I could say this cause I've watched him for almost three years now, plus this year. But in my opinion, I think he should run the ball a little bit more and trust his legs. I think there are times where he's definitely a little bit, and this actually just goes in general. He's just a little bit conservative, I know he's in kind of a interesting spot as a freshman quarterback and whatnot, and you know he wants to earn the coach's trust. But I do think there is some place where he just goes a little bit conservative, and uh, he could either you know scramble for a lot, or he could throw it downfield and improvise a little bit more. So I'd like to see him get a little bit more confident there, improvise a little bit more, uh, scramble the ball, and you know really just do his thing because I really felt like he just looked. I don't know. He just looked really conservative. Like he didn't look as confident out there as I know he is on a daily basis, to be completely honest with you. So I just think uh, that confidence piece, he could work on that there and just trust his athleticism because, you know, he could definitely gash a couple defenses if he plays it right. And then uh, I won't take all of it. I think the last thing I would include here is that I'd like to see him hit the film room a little bit more and be able to, you know, read defenses a little bit better. I think, you know, getting thrown into the mix and it being COVID and whatnot, it definitely didn't do him any favors because he's, in my opinion, he's somebody who works really hard and he relies on film. And so I think having this extra time will do him a lot of good so he could look at the film and whatnot. But I would say even now, now more than ever, look at the film, you know, look at your own tendencies and then especially look at the defensive tendencies of some of the schools he played here, because I think there are definitely times he seemed a little rattled out there uh, because <laughs> just um, before I go into it, uh, to say the least, there's there's just a lot going on. There's a lot going on around him. I think that's a nice way of saying it. But Cody, what about you? What are, what are some areas of improvements for Genoa here? Hey, I've got to I got to just echo the first point because it's worth saying twice. Go hit the weight room, my guy. Um, you know, go go pump some iron, get bigger, get stronger. You know, I think that that's a focus for every football player basically any offseason anyway, especially at 165, you know, it's already on the agenda, but you know, definitely work on getting that arm strength up there and then, you know, getting getting that leg power so that, you know, when you do use like your whole body to throw you're not like throwing yourself with the football is kind of the way that i saw it where like when, when he does throw it deep like i'm i'm surprised that he doesn't travel a few yards himself because he really just does put everything into it and but look it sounds weird because we always talk about engaging your whole body when you throw the football but that's not what we mean yeah what would we say yeah. engaging is different than throwing your whole body into it you know so it definitely gives me like kind of a how far can I throw it kind of competition vibes more than in game quarterback arm strength kind of vibes. Sure. Whenever he throws the ball deep. Yeah. So, and, and then I also want to say just like, obviously, like you said, go to the film room. He did throw one more interception than touchdown this year. So just work on, you know, decision-making a little bit and that comes with watching film and adjusting to the game, but it's not entirely uncommon for freshman quarterbacks to have not the best, uh, TD to INT ratio. There's one guy that we're going to talk about at the end of the show where as a freshman, he had a one-to-one -one ratio and you guys will see where he's at now. But anyways, I am, I also say like work on footwork His footwork is kind of all over the place a little bit. Yeah. And so I think that by working on footwork too, that that'll help him with acceleration and burst. 
because I do think, like you said, that he has a capacity to run, but he really d needs to work on just like when he does decide to one run, sticking his foot in the dirt and turning up field, you know? Yeah. So, um, that is, uh, th those are my areas of improvement for Genoa. I will add on that he didn't have the most amount of film from huddle, but yeah, I mean, he played what, three or four games. I know they had a game canceled. The, didn't they? the Greeley schedule was like the shortest schedule in the entire state, unfortunately. So yeah, but shout out to Weld County and their, uh, coronavirus, um, accommodations, <laughs> AKA none of them. But anyways, well, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, before I, I'm, uh, facts. It, it is facts at Weld County, but um, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about some of his strengths real quick. Yeah, go for it. So, like I said, you know, and like Simon mentioned, the ball gets down there when he does throw it. So I think that the potential for arm strength is definitely an intriguing thing for me and something that gets me a little excited. You know, there, I, I think that Genoa can have a cannon on him and, you know, it stretched out that Greeley central offense that, you know, it's been, it's been something for the past few years, you know, and explosive isn't like the first word that comes to mind, but I think that Genoa has that opportunity to make it an explosive offense for sure. And I think that, you know, you can really see his precision whenever he throws, whenever he gets near the boundaries, he, he can yes. definitely throw on the run really well, I think. He's able to set his feet and turn his shoulders even at times. So he shows great fundamental, uh, you know, technique there. Yeah. As far as, you know, at least playing like a smart quarterback where he's not just like flinging himself and throwing across his body or anything like that. And, you know, whenever he does get towards the sideline, you know, he's able to squeeze it into some tight windows, I'd say. And I think that, you know, for him to throw comeback routes as well as he does as a freshman is very encouraging for me to see, yes. you know, his comeback routes. It's a very good throw and it's arguably a go-to throw that it's, it's probably one of the hardest routes to cover as a defensive back, especially if the quarterback just has it right, you know, with the, with the wide receivers. So, yeah. And um, yeah, I also think that it, whenever they allowed him to run kind of a quick hitter kind of offense, where it's just snap, throw, snap, throw. I think that, you know, Greeley central might want to look into running a hurry up with Genoa because once he gets into a rhythm, you know, he'll complete eight passes in a row, no problem. So those are some things that I saw, but I'm going to go to my Genoa expert here, Simon, on some of his strengths. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to talk about a lot of the physical stuff because you already brought it up, and I would basically just be saying the same thing. I mean, I saw this uh, throughout all of middle school and high school, so this isn't that big of a surprise to me. He's really honed in on his craft, I would say, and he's gotten better since when he was last in middle school, at least, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you'd be surprised how many middle school star quarterbacks with quotation marks around that uh, suddenly <laughs> drop off when they hit high school and hit the real, well, I don't, yeah, the real leagues, the big leagues, right? Because it's high school ball. Um, <clears throat> so all that being said, though, I think physically he'll get there. Um, yeah, physically he'll get there. But let's go ahead and talk about some intangibles here because he is somebody that I know pretty well. I know his story. Uh, I know his father. Uh, his dad was a good mentor to me uh, that year and um, so forth moving forward. And, you know, his father, in my opinion, is one of the best coaches in all of northern Colorado. You know, he's a player's coach. He's somebody that you could trust. And he knows these players, especially in Greeley, really well and could relate to them. Uh, one of his own sons, actually, Janoa's older brother, he went on to play wide receiver over at CSU. So he knows a thing or two about 
about football, uh, his father. And that definitely rubs off on Genoa. And I would say that Genoa and his dad definitely have a lot of very similar <laughs> characteristics that I kind of see more of as he gets older. And it's really interesting. Um, but let me first talk about his story here. I'm just going to throw this out there. I look, I knew about this for a minute here, but it was in the Greeley Tribune. So that's kind of where I'm reading that from as well. And so if you think I crossed the line, I'm, I, I don't feel like I am because it's public. But basically, Genoa, um, he did actually lose his mother a while ago when he was a youngin. And so his father has been a single dad raising him for a while now. And so Genoa kind of, you know, he, he's, had a, he's had it a little bit tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, he's, he's just in general a tougher, I would say Genoa is definitely a tougher kid. And he's somebody that you really want to have in your locker room, especially when you're losing. And that, that's going to come in handy for this Greeley Central team here. And I'll talk about that more here in a minute. But, you know, he's the kind of guy that'll take um, being down by 14 points and 21 points as a challenge, and he'll have fun with it. He loves being in those positions. And he's somebody who's honestly, in all the years that I've coached and played football, and I've seen guys, you know, go in and out of uh, football teams. Y'all know I've seen Kyler Murray. He's probably one of the toughest mentally, like, football players I've ever seen in my entire life because nothing really rattles him. Um, at least when I watched him and when I was around him, nothing really rattled him. And, you know, until the until the scoreboard says 0-0, he feels like he could win the game. You just got to put it in his hands. So I would also say to the Greeley Central coaching staff, let Genoa cook a little bit. I like what you said about, um, you know, running more of a quick hitter type of offense. I think if he was to have that kind of offense where he could just, you know, go – and like control the offense, you give him the keys to it. He will do a lot of good things for you, and he'll 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 keep you in games for sure. And so, <clears throat> just in general, you know, I got to see him grow up a bit. And not gonna lie, he was a little hard headed <laughs> when I saw him as a little sixth grader. But he, I'm really proud of how he's matured a lot because he has, uh, especially his eighth grade year. You know, uh, some things happened with the coaching staff up there and his father, and you know it how it shook out is basically that his dad had to take some time away from the team and had to take a smaller role. And so that eighth grade year, especially, I really saw Genoa kind of, you know, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was a coming out party because he literally didn't lose a whole game in middle school, but I saw him mature a bit more as a leader and, you know, and he led his team and he was the type of guy that guys will go to war for. And, you know, they'll, they'll rally behind him and he's somebody that is just a very emotional leader i would say not too emotional trust me like because baker mayfield is too emotional of a leader that's that's my first um i guess example there but he's just emotional enough where he'll like he'll rally a team and he'll get him going for real and really i really saw that his eighth grade year you know with everything going on with the coaching staff and you know some things going on with the team just being that leader being the rock and you know just blowing out team after team i think at the championship game it was against windsor and cody you know this windsor always has a good program whether it's middle school or high school but i'm pretty sure they beat them by 30 in the championship game and it Sheesh. wasn't close it was it wasn't close and so all in all you know i know middle school doesn't count for much and i did talk about uh, high school being the big leagues but he did not lose a single game uh, in middle school at all I think he had a couple of close calls but he always pulled it out uh, especially in that sixth grade 
in that sixth grade season, I'm, I'm just going to be pulling stories at this point. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. <laughs> but there's definitely, in that championship game, I'm not going to lie, I was not coaching in it. But personally, that was probably one of the most up-and-down games I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Uh, we did not lead, or they did not lead in that entire game until until double overtime, basically. We were trailing the whole time. It basically came down to double overtime. Genoa and the boys, they, you know, they led a couple really key drives at the end there to tie it up and then to win the game. And, you know, that was probably the toughest game I've ever seen. And I believe Genoa was on the defense, defensive side of the ball, too, when we got that game-ending interception as well. And so, you know, having a quarterback with that kind of experience, late-game experience, and not, well, not really just late-game experience, but late late game experience in double overtime when the pressure's on and you could start feeling like the nerves tighten a little bit and just being able to pull it out. To me, that says a lot. And so personally, if I was to have Genoa here, and this isn't a recruiting thing at all, just to throw this out there, Chassa, it's not a recruiting thing at all. But if I was to have Genoa <laughs> here at Falcon High School or wherever, I'd be very confident in just giving him the keys to the car because I do think he's somebody who's very mature for his age. Um, you really don't have to worry about him a lot outside of the football field at all. Like he'll keep himself accountable and he'll also keep other people accountable as well. And I think you saw Tom Brady win the Super Bowl this last week here. And, you know, I really felt like Tom Brady just being there and being the kind of leader that changes a culture. I really did a lot for that Bucks team. And I feel like Janot is that same kind of guy. He's someone who could be a culture changer and he could change a lot of habits because of just his work ethic and how hard he works outside of the field as well. And so I just had to throw all of that out there, all of that praise, because in my opinion, he has the most heart out of any quarterback in the state of Colorado. And I'll bet my life on that easy. So there you go. So what's your outlook for Genoa then? So, okay. I, I'm surprised we didn't mention this more, but uh, this Greeley Central team, it, it was a little rough, you know? I I think just in general, it was rare that you saw a clean pocket in his highlight reel film, which should say a lot, which means that he doesn't have a clean pocket at all outside of that. And that definitely worries me. And there's a lot of things here. Um... Not that Genoa could necessarily control, but just things outside of him that worries me as well. But we did see LR3 do his thing with Smoky Hills, right? Because you you had a lot to say about that program, <laughs> whatever we did. And so I think it would do Genoa a lot of good to kind of look up to an LR3 type. Keep in mind, don't do too much, though. You know, play your game. Stay within yourself. Uh, but, you know, it's going to take a bit of work. And I think if Genoa really wants to succeed, it doesn't just come down to him. It comes down to him being a leader on and off the field, like I said before, and being the type of guy that, you know, you got to you gotta drag your linemen into, you know, before practices. You got to drag your receivers into weekend practices. You got to work on things a lot. You know, I'd say for Genoa, you know, per usual, the grind doesn't stop. You know, keep at it. Keep working. Uh, because... At the end of the day, it's not just you. It's a team sport, and uh, it's going to take a team to find some success. And so I, I'd really like to see Genoa, uh, you know, kind of rally his team, like I was saying earlier there. Just in general, I don't think I'll see another quarterback take a spot, though, <laughs> moving forward. Uh, really, Central doesn't exactly have the kind of program that Erie does. So, yeah. Yeah, so... Cutting uh, Genoa some slack here, 
The three games that he played in his freshman year were against state champion Loveland. That was his first game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh. Obviously, he didn't know that at the time. Or wait, Windsor was his first game. Well, that's tough still. Then Loveland at Loveland, then Monarch, Jeez. and ended the season with Skyline. Um, Skyline was one of the best teams to not make the postseason this past year. Arguably the best it. team. Yeah. Didn't make the postseason in any A of Colorado football. Any if I'm gonna any division of Colorado <laughs> football. Yeah. And they, they know what I mean. They know what I mean. Yeah. And so I mean, jeez. Okay. He did not catch a break. No. Um, those four teams scored 195 combined points. So th- they were averaging basically 50 a game. Yeah. A little bit under 50 a game. That is a tough situation to try and win football games as a quarterback. Yeah. Um, especially when you're not really given the opportunity to take over the game either. So, you know, I'm going to cut him some slack there because I don't think he'll have a four-game stretch that's that rough. Probably in the rest of his playing career, if I'm going to be completely yeah. honest. And like, if he does, there will be like five or so games sprinkled in there. So Yeah, there will be other know. games in there. So, you know, those are obviously tough opponents to play against. And Greeley Central, you know, they're kind of known as like, you know, the little brother school in, in Greeley High Schools. You know, they're they're the ones to pick on. They're the ones who get stomped by every other Greeley school. Homecoming so, Y- yeah, like they're gonna lose on homecoming weeks. <laughs> you know, I feel bad. I feel bad because I know there are some boys from that Heath squad that are there too. But that's it. That but that's the reputation of the school. Yeah, right? that's, that's the, the reputation before. of the You're program. Right. So right. like, yeah. it's going to take Genoa, and it's going to take a lot to change. Basically, a program whose culture is losing at this point. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, that's a huge up upward battle, uphill battle. You know. And, uh, you know, basically, um, the Genoa is tasked with changing that program in the next three years, which is a lot of weight on his shoulders. Yeah. So that's something to consider, but like, like from what you've described, Simon, I don't think that there's a more qualified athlete to try and take on that burden basically. And, you know, I'd even say if he's able to get this Greeley central team to like a 500 record, it's probably the best (laughs) record that they'd have in 10 years. So, like, yeah. you know, at, at this point, you know, as far as, like, confidence goes, bro, you have nothing to lose, all right? Like, right. this this program is at rock bottom, so just <laughs> just go give it your all. Wow, I'm kind of really... I didn't say all that, yeah, <laughs> but really, that's okay, we'll keep it in. <laughs> kind of really laying into it. But, I, but what, yeah. the point that I'm trying to make is for Genoa to just... Go have fun and go ball out like like you know that you can. Obviously, take all these improvements and areas to work on from what we said, you know, and keep doing that offseason work. Keep putting in the work, right? But then when it comes to the football field, just just go play football, bro. Because yeah. it look, it can't get much worse if I'm going to be completely honest. So, you know, play like you have nothing to lose because really there isn't too much to lose at this point. Yeah, for sure. And to add on, I, I won't go on too much longer because I know we've been talking for a minute here. And we could honestly probably do a whole another episode about this. But Genoa, just know as well that like it doesn't just have to rely on you. Obviously, you're the quarterback. You're the leader. So it's kind of expected that you lead anyways. But I would recommend having a couple other guys to uh, just around you, you know, surrounding yourself with uh, success. I know we had, was it Anthony Tocini? 
Yes. The interview didn't drop yet, but it will. But he talked about having guys around him that were, you know, that were of the same mind, that were like-minded, I would say, and having those guys that could uh, lift you up and help you out and make you feel like you're not just alone. And Janoa, I know for a fact that you're not just alone there. There are some dogs out there over at Greeley Central that just need to mature just like you as well. And so I'd really recommend, you know, not turn first off, not turning on each other. I think that's the bare minimum, not turning on each other when things get tough, because trust me, it will get tough and tougher as uh, life moves on, because like we said before, they have your film now, so they know how you play, if they didn't already know before. Um, so there you go. But also, you know, just when when needed, being kind of that glue guy for your team and having other guys be that glue guy, you know. It's okay to lose and fail, but you got to learn from it and you got to get stronger as a group. It's not just you. I think that's important to keep in mind because he is a quarterback, but it's not just about you. It's about, you know, strengthening others that will help strengthen you in the long run, but you got to support them. You can't be too tough on them at times, but you got to be just the right amount, you know? And so I think that's all important to keep in mind. That's a whole culture thing that has to do with the team and changing the culture as a player, as a coach, and all we that. We should do a, a special episode on that sometime, well, but that's later. Yeah, well, we could get into it for a while, to be honest here, because that there's a lot of things that go in there. We could even include some sports psychology stuff there as well, but that's that. So, Genoa, we wish you the best of luck. <laughs> this is a really long segment, but I feel like we needed to say everything we needed to say here because there... Ah, oh, man, you're you're in an interesting situation. Well, you're an interesting talent as well. So, all good know. points, all good points, you know, and uh, that does it for basically Northern Colorado, and we're going to go down south into Denver for our next prospect. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. And we are talking about Isaac Cisneros, the five foot nine, hundred and sixty pound freshman quarterback out of Kennedy South High School in Denver, which is a four A program. Quick shout out to uh, Victor, who I had some coaching classes with, and uh, he said, "Hey, yo, check out this kid." So here we are. So talking about Isaac, we're going to start on his strengths, and the very first thing that pops off the film, and I bet Simon agrees with me wholeheartedly, is his athleticism. Yeah, yeah, he can he can move really well, and you know. He, he has some elusivity to him for sure. He definitely shows like a pretty good cut and juke move from time to time. And, you know, on top of that athleticism, he can throw on the run very well. And he can maintain his velocity while throwing on the run super well. And, you know, I think that those are obviously great places to start with a quarterback. You know, there, there are raw quarterbacks with less physical tools. And so Isaac here is not in a bad spot. And neither is Kennedy South, if I'm going to be completely honest. So I definitely think that, you know, they have a lot to build off of. And um, on, t on top of his athleticism, you know, I think that his release is a huge reason why his velocity is so good. Because, you know, his, his release, as far as like his arm motion, is super concise, I would say. And it, it snaps like a rubber band. And, you know, I've been talking about that. Luckily, we've had some quarterbacks with faster releases on these past few weeks. But, you know, I think that's something that he does possess that you know, isn't something that you have to work on and you don't have to worry about him, you know, taking too long to throw the ball. I even think that on his deep ball, you know, that it doesn't take as long of a windup as some of the other quarterbacks that we've talked about too. I also really like, you know, running the, the option, whether it's the read option or the speed option, there's definitely like 
some pitches that he has from time to time on the speed option that make you go, wow, like how did he get that off? So he's very good at waiting until basically, you know, there's two guys on him and he's still able to get a pitch out to his running back. So, you know, in that kind of sense, he kind of has like that Lamar Jackson kind of strength in the speed option game where he can, he can get those tosses out. And for him to be able to do that at five nine one sixty gets me really excited for when, you know, he does probably hit a growth spurt coming up here in a bit and, you know, puts on some more weight on how much stronger he can even get. I also think that, you know, when he, he does throw on the run a lot and I'll talk a little bit about, you know, his plant a little bit, but when he steps into throws, he, his arm power increases basically exponentially, you know, and some of his deeper balls where, you know, they, they keep like six guys back to protect him and he's able to fling it down the sideline. He can, he can get some pretty good ball placement and even show some great arm strength on throws that are like 40 plus yards when he does plant his feet, I should say. And then obviously, you know, his, um, ball place his velocity allows for excellent ball placement down the boundary simon what are some strengths you saw from isaac's very hard to find film by the way yeah i don't what's going on with huddle what's going on with google i found it on huddle but it didn't show up on google but anyways anyways uh, i'd have to agree with everything you said obviously i think his athleticism is probably his biggest strength just in general he has a very strong arm a naturally strong arm at that i should say um, he, he doesn't have to do too much there, uh, if I'm being completely honest. And then, you know, he's he's quick. You know, he's quick. He has good speed. And so all of that, you know, just being a good athlete in general, it pays off as a quarterback, especially if you're, uh, I guess, if you're coming up and you're starting uh, right away because we are going off his freshman year from last year because he hasn't he didn't play this last year. They'll be playing um, March 19th. I think yes. is the start of that season. Yeah, in a couple weeks, actually. So it'll be really exciting to see uh, how how much he's improved because he's had a very, very long off season, arguably. So that'll be really fun to watch. But just in general, you know, having great athleticism uh, does a lot of favors for uh, young quarterbacks because you know they get to take a lot of defenses by surprise. Honestly, you know, he's somebody who could gash him for fifty yards or like running on the ground or air it out 50 or 60 yards in addition i i really like his improvisational skills as well you know he's he's definitely a little bit fearless some could say reckless but i like the confidence i like him being fearless and slinging it in there there are (laughs) there are a good amount of plays where you know he'll just run around and then make something happen and then you know when he sets his feet and he plants and throws you know he'll he'll be on target if well if the target isn't moving for the most part that is and so he's very good there and so you really just can't you know you really just can't either blitz him like i would a blake barnett or um or drop everybody into coverage because he would try to gash you either way. I feel like he's a little bit more advanced than Blake Barnett in that manner. Uh, well, maybe advanced athletically, I should say. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are all the things I really like about uh, Isaac Cisneros. Do you mind if I talk about some of the areas of improvements here? Yeah, absolutely. We got to we gotta get this content out so that Isaac can listen to it and bring it to his game here in the spring. Yeah. For sure. And to be honest, he probably could have worked on everything we're about to talk about here, but I think we got to mention it, mention it either way, just because, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, we got to mention it. So I think timing wise, as a quarterback, we really didn't see him have, 
great timing, I would say, with a lot of his receivers. Um, most of the time, he's just slinging the ball, and it'll get there, and you know the receiver will make a play, but he's not really leading on a bunch of receivers or having great timing or stuff like that. It's a lot of just like stop and throw type of deals. And so that's kind of why I said, you know, if there's a stationary target, he'll hit it. Uh, but I do believe if he's moving, if he's moving and they're moving too, he might struggle a little bit with the timing there. And so I really hope to see him work on that timing uh, when he does start up playing again in the spring here, because I think that was probably one of the most concerning thing I had just because there are times when he would throw the ball and, you know, the connection between the quarterback and the receiver just seemed really choppy. It didn't exactly look smooth. There are plenty of quarterbacks that we watch, like a LR3, I would say, who can move around and has a strong arm. But LR3 throughout the years, um, and we saw this progression as we looked through his film, he got much better with his timing. And he'd hit, he'd hit receivers um, in stride. Yeah, in stride, in rhythm. And that's what we really want to see. That's how you become a next-level quarterback in my opinion, and so I really hope that he got in work, not not just by himself, but with his receivers, because that requires chemistry, so I hope he got in work with his receivers, and really just worked on that timing on a variety of routes there as well, because I think that was the biggest thing I was worried about, in addition, this is probably the last thing I really hope to see out of him, at least some, something that I'll mention here right now on the podcast, but in addition, I do feel like he could play a little bit out of control, I liked how he has a little bit of a gunslinger mentality and he's confident in his throws and in his abilities, but there are plenty of times where you and me, Cody, both said that's not a good decision. And so I think he needs to tighten up the decision-making there. That's not exactly the hardest thing to do, in my opinion. You just look at a bunch of film and then you apply it. I, I think that's easier said than done, but there are other things that are definitely tougher to work on, but I really hope that he hit that film room and, you know, diagnosed a lot of those defenses that he'll be playing against. And even right now, going into the season, he's still hitting that film room and looking at some of the things that, that those defenses will throw at him because uh, he just he just needs to make better decisions, just in general. So, and play a little bit less sporadic, I would say as well, and kind of tighten up his game. Um, same kind of deal that we mentioned with Blake Barnett. But what about you, Cody? What are some things that you want to see out of Isaac uh, this spring or some things that were a little bit concerning from his freshman year? Yeah, so Isaac, it, it, once you look at the... Obviously, like you said, there's just some plays where it's like, that's not a good decision. And it's reflected on the stat sheet. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not one to reference stat sheet all the time, but it is concerning when, you know... He had seven interceptions to 11 passing TDs. So, like, that's not the best ratio. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's, like, barely in the top half of a lot of quarterbacks that we've talked about. If we're talking just pure TD to INT ratios, you know, he also fumbled the ball twice. And, you know, he kind of runs with the ball kind of far away from him. And it's really easy to punch out, if I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah. And, like, there's a lot of opportunities for defenses to punch it out. And they will do it, you know. If given the chance. And I even think that there's one play where like, if he was not as close to the sideline that it would have definitely been like a fumble that the defense would have scooped up easily and maybe even returned for a touchdown. If I'm being completely honest. So like you said, you know, he's got that gunslinger mentality and it's a, it's a two-sided coin, right? Where sure. it's like, you know, he wants to be a playmaker, but the other side of that is that there's turnovers, right? So definitely hone in on that play to your strengths at the same time develop new strengths and then it, it becomes easier to make plays in the first place. Right. Yeah. 
I also think that, you know, for Isaac here that, you know, other than protecting the ball, I think that he needs to trust his reads on, on the playbook. So like there's a few times on his highlight reel where he'll look past his first read that's open for some reason and look like for a further or bigger or maybe more exciting play. I'm not really sure what the mentality is. And then he'll come back to his first read like way late. And it's like, that's how you're going to throw interceptions, right? That's how you're going to miss out on touchdowns. That's how you're going to miss out on first downs, right? Because football, like, bro, obviously we want like 80 yard scores all the time, but that's just not how it works, right? Mm -hmm. So like, take what the defense gives you. Take that hitch route for four yards because it's open. Don't look past it, you know, and run around because, you know, it's not always going to end up in you gaining a few yards, right? Don't, don't look past the flat route, right? Because if it's there, it's there and take it. And so that's something that I know I personally preach to my quarterbacks that I've coached. It's like, look, if the check down is there, please take it or read from low to high is kind of, you know, a mentality that I want to bring into my coaching. And so for, for Isaac here, it's like, take, you know, be willing to take those dump offs. You don't always have to hit a home run on every single play. You know, you have a, football's a very long game, right? Yeah. So you're not going to win it on one play on every drive. So don't try and do it, you know, if it's not there. Whenever he he's running around right, you know, you could see it in his average yards per carry because, you know, he'll have some big runs, but he's not the most efficient runner because he'll be running around and running around. He'll, like, literally run from sideline to the other sideline and then pick up, like, a yard. And it's just, like, there's a more efficient way of doing it that's not as goofy. You know, so it's like if, if you don't see your reads on one side of the field, just tuck and run the ball yeah, and, and pick up five yards instead of running a hundred freaking yards for plus one on the stat sheet. So just being a more efficient runner and being a more efficient pass. Efficiency is basically the biggest thing to work on for Isaac. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think efficiency and discipline are the two things because you know it's one thing to have a bunch of raw talent but it's useless if if you can't um if you can't refine that honestly because teams start you know they they look at that and they're like oh so we can't throw or oh he makes dumb decisions when he's running this is what we're going to do we're going to keep it simple and we're going to force him one way and make him one dimensional and so that's the one thing that you don't want isaac if you're listening to that and so that's why you got to improve um, your decision making in general so that you could keep defenses on them toes and you know you could you could you could play your game still and not get limited because I think that's uh, definitely a worry here but that being said do you want to kind of talk about outlook here about Isaac yeah sure thing so you know uh, his first year Kennedy went five and five so you know that's that's not terrible they definitely had some close games and they definitely had some very not close games but I think on this spring schedule, I'm looking at it and there's, there's some very winnable games here. And I think that, you know, for Isaac, you know, if, if he's able to help lead this Kennedy team to a playoff spot in the spring season, I think that, you know, that, that instills a lot of confidence in me heading forward for making Kennedy, you know, at least a playoff team for the next few years of the rest of his career. And, you know, if you're able to lead your team to playoffs, multiple years that looks good to college scouts too you know it shows that you're a winner and it shows that you have what it takes to lead your team to that postseason and then you could prove even more stuff on that postseason level i think that with his athleticism and his raw arm strength alone that you know he he's in a 
better spot, I'd say, than probably Blake, just because he was allowed to cook a little bit more his freshman year. Yeah. And he had more film, too, of course, is something to consider. But I think that he has a lot of potential, and his velocity is very inspiring for where I could see him going. And, you know, I think that if he's able to clean up his game, play more discipline, play a little bit more efficient, and, you know, maybe that's up to the coaches, you know, to sure. to kind of hone him in, you know, where it's like, okay, we let you kind of, you know, do your thing your freshman year, but, like, this is what we need to do at the same time, too, and to try and, like, meet in the middle here with, Cis- with Cisneros, then I think that, you know, he could potentially be... I could see him going D2 pretty easily from just where he's at right now. You know, he kind of reminds me in the raw kind of way uh, a lot of Julian Burks who committed to CSU Pueblo, who I did a breakdown on, what was that, two weeks ago now? Maybe, yeah, maybe even three weeks by this point in time. But, you know, I see a lot of similarities between these two quarterbacks. And so that's kind of what I'm judging his scale off of personally. Simon, what do you what do you think here of Isaac? Uh, outlook wise, outlook wise, yeah. Okay, so there's definitely a scenario just looking at some of the teams in this four A division going into the spring, and it's probably not what they're normally used to because Cody, you did say they played Evergreen, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Green Mountain too yeah, last year. Freshman year. So there you go. I would say this year he probably has a little bit more of a favorable schedule assuming none of his games get canceled and then that's a whole thing but let's just assume everything's great moving forward (laughs) um assuming that everything's good i think realistically he should be able to make a good run at the state championship game for the spring season and it's gonna be a weird thing where there's two state championships uh for 2020 i guess but screw it it is what it is right and so I think if Isaac has been working throughout this offseason and has worked on some of the stuff that we highlighted, there's a good chance that he could bring this Kennedy team uh, to the state championship and win it, potentially. Because I'm just looking at some of these teams here. Cody, you're obviously way more familiar with Colorado football than I am. But there's not exactly a team out here that screams Cherry Creek or screams Front Runner. Um, yeah, there's no Loveland or... Even Palmer Ridge playing in this 4A spring bracket. No. I think, I mean, if you had to say, Cody, uh, if there is a team here that might be tough, it'd probably be Denver North. Yeah. Denver North or, I don't know, maybe even, uh, I I think they face Thomas Jefferson might be an interesting matchup. But honestly, this opening week against Gateway, like, if they don't 40-piece Gateway, I might be a little concerned. Okay, okay. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So we'll we'll just have to see. And then there are some this is an interesting thing here too because uh Harrison High School, Falcon, uh Sierra, those are all Colorado Springs schools that I definitely have all connections with. Harrison, they've been building something for a while, but I am concerned with the their head coach leaving this last year and a bunch of other players graduating how good they'll be. But I do think realistically there's a scenario where Kennedy does come out on top when all is said and done. And if that was to happen, I think he would be much more than a D1 guy. But for that to happen, (laughs) he'd have to at least do one of the things we talked about, whether it's being more disciplined, whether it's, uh, you know, 
well, yeah, actually, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> just being more disciplined, you know, looking at the film, being able to read defenses, uh, being able to make the right decisions, stuff like that. If he could do some of those things, there's a really good chance that he could uh, bring this team uh, to a state championship game and win it, you know, so, yeah, but you never know. Football is football. It's not Friday. Well, I guess it will still probably be Friday Night Lights and it will still be Friday Night Lights. Uh, and it's not in the fall, but you know, football is football. Anything could happen any given day. And I think, you know, Isaac really, if I had to give one parting piece of advice here, Isaac needs to take advantage of, uh, the opportunities he gets, especially this year, because he can make some big noise that could, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it can mean something moving forward. Just going to say that. So, yeah. What about, what do you think about my little prediction there, Cody? You know, I, I didn't even, like like I said, I said that they should at least make the postseason for the, sure. for the bracket. I think that that's basically the bare minimum that you have to do in this. You know, we've done breakdowns on players from a lot of these teams, and I'd say that Isaac Cisneros jumps off the film just a little bit more yeah. than some of these other guys. So I think that this is a great time. And you know what? It's Take advantage of the opportunity, right? Because, like, if I'm going to be completely honest, you know, if you have to play against a Loveland or a Palmer Ridge, I don't really like your odds of winning a state championship <laughs> no. against like these teams that are way more, I'd say probably well-rounded in like every single way, Yeah. you know? So take advantage of the matchup that you have right now. And then, you know, let the critics and, you know, let, let everyone else be like, Oh, spring champion. Like whatever. If you win a state championship, then you win a state championship. All right. And then let everyone else decide what it means but know what it means to you and know what it means to your program. Yeah. Is, is, I know that that's a little off topic from the question that you asked, but well, no, it's, I feel like it's still on topic. I think for them to do that, they have to be the aggressors. You know, they can't be waiting for somebody else to set the tone. And, you know, I feel like that starts with Isaac. And so, you know, we saw this last year, the offense definitely ran through Isaac and they had some good games, but you know, the talent is definitely a little, a little bit easier. And that's fine. Screw it. You know, if it's easier than dominate and win. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and dominating is, is the best thing that you can do to prove to scouts that you're a player that they want in your program. It's the same advice that I gave to Bo out of Wyoming, where it's like, you know, go out and be the best quarterback in this for a spring season and, yeah. and let, you know, let the, let the stats, let the play and let the results talk for themselves to the scouts. Yeah, for sure. A ring's a ring. So. Yep. Big bet. Yeah. Except when it's Tom Brady. But anyways. Oh, well, <laughs> well, you were rooting for him, so. <laughs> just throw that out there. Um, I think that's. We just lost half our fan base after I said that. <laughs> go, on. go on. I think that's all I have as far as for my outlook on Isaac Cisneros. And um, you, go, go ahead and everybody who's listening, you know, watch, pay attention to the spring season. I think that it's going to be unlike anything that we've ever seen before here in Colorado football. I think that it opens up a brand new spotlight for a lot of these athletes and players. So just pay close attention because you might just see the fireworks that, you know, you're missing in the spring when you're watching some other sports and you miss football a little bit and you have to stick to seven on seven scrimmages to watch. That's true. And you know, if they do win state, you heard it here first. <laughs> Outside of Kennedy, probably. <laughs> but you yeah. heard it here first. So that that's what matters. But anyways, coming up, we got our last quarterback. And as of right now, our highest rated quarterback, because he is a sophomore. Uh, well, an incoming junior, but he was a, he's a sophomore right now. 
uh, in Braden Dorman. All right, welcome back to the last segment of the Playmakers Corner. We're going to talk about the highly requested, and I mean highly requested, as in we got a lot of hate for not including him on our senior list, even though he's a sophomore. And that's Braden Dorman, the 6'4", 200-pound quarterback out of Vista Ridge High School. He is the class of 23, so he just played his sophomore year in the fall. And he will be a junior uh, this year, actually. So, that'll, yeah, that will be interesting. But we're going to go ahead and start with areas of improvements here. Uh, there's really not a lot. I think a lot of these, just to preface it, a lot of these are just things that we want to see out of him because these are things that we expect out of, uh, I guess, a highly ranked quarterback or prospect, not just in Colorado, but anywhere. But I think, number one, the biggest thing we really want, well, one of the biggest things we really want to see is him being able to, you know, look off defenders and uh, manipulate defenses with his eyes. I think there are a lot of times where, you know, he throws to his first read and that's fine because they're open and he's diagnosing defenses that way. But we would like to see him go through his full progressions and move safeties if needed and, you know, continue to make the right football play and open up opportunities for uh, bigger plays and whatnot because, um, trust us, trust me, he made plenty of big-time plays. I know that because I actually teach in the same school district. I'm over at Falcon Middle, so I, I know him and a bunch of his uh, teammates, actually, because they had my old teaching partner when they were in middle school. Shout-out to Coach Cates. Uh, but, you know, all that being said, though, really just would like to see him kind of mature in that way and really, you know, work those defenses. I want to see him be... Uh, how should I say this? I want to see him dissect a defense and be kind of a surgeon with it uh, because he has the arm talent to do it. But it's one thing to have the arm talent. It's another thing to have the mental capacity to really take apart a whole defense uh, brick by brick. So that's something we'd really love to see. And then I would also say probably his pocket presence slash movement. He could manipulate uh, the pocket probably a little bit better. There are times, and this is just a habit that a lot of quarterbacks a lot of young quarterbacks have but they won't like move up or down or left or right in the pocket they will just roll out right or roll out left like very far away from pressure and that's cool but that does give more opportunities for you to not have your eyes downfield uh it's a lot of extra movement that you really just don't need and you could just buy a couple seconds in the pocket and do the same thing and so i just like to see him tighten up that really and uh, really work on that pocket movement because I think that's some next level stuff that'll separate himself out from quarterbacks, not just in Colorado. Because at this point, you know, he's highly touted and he's somebody who's, uh, who everyone knows at this point is very talented. But it will separate him from a lot of other quarterbacks in the country. So there you go. But Cody, if you have anything else to add on to that or uh, any other areas of improvements, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Like Simon said, these areas of improvements or these areas that we want Brayden to address, we want him to address them because we know that he's a Division I quarterback, yeah. right? So these are expectations that we have of a Division I quarterback, basically. So like Simon said, we want to see him look off defenders, right? That's the next level thing that you could do, and it shows that mental strength and that football IQ. We want to see him go through his reads a little bit more. We want to see him work on his footwork and manipulate the pocket because – you know what? If you're rolling out right, like 
you have to buy even more time to replant your feet and deliver a strike. Yes. Versus if you can move in the pocket and you can step into your throw without like completely tearing apart your base and having to reset it up, you know, that's that's a level of maturity. And that's something that I would expect out of Dorman, who is a pocket quarterback, I would say. Yeah. So, you know, he doesn't he doesn't break anyone's back with his legs, you know, or anything like that. He's he's a pocket passer, so we want we expect him to be able to move in the pocket. Another thing that I want to add on is, you know, I'm a little bit concerned with ball security, just a little bit. He had four fumbles this past season, which is kind of a huge red flag. So I'm not really sure what that is stemming from. You know, if it if it has to do with his if with his release, which would surprise me, and I'll talk about why I like his release. Yeah. Um, coming up on positives, but you know. When you have four fumbles and, you know, he only lost one of them, but still that's kind of a red flag where like, you know, he threw seven picks to 24 TDs, which is a great ratio, right? But if you're fumbling the ball on top of that, and so the defense had four more opportunities to pick up the ball, like it might as well be 24 to 11 to me yeah. of, of a touchdown to turnover ratio is kind of the way that I look at it. So definitely work on protecting the ball. And, you know, I think that that might come with being able to manipulate the pocket a little bit better. A lot of these things that we tell players to work on, believe it or not, if you address one thing, it kind of addresses other things. Eventually. <laughs> so yeah. um, those are the areas of improvement that I have for Dorman here. But, Simon, if you don't mind, I'd like to start talking about what we do like. Go for it. Yeah. So, look, he's he's just becoming a junior and he's six foot five, 190 pounds and He's only going to fill out that frame even more. That's that's a prototypical next level frame for a quarterback at the division one level. And he does some things mechanically so well that it's hard to not notice him. Things in particular is he has probably one of the cleanest dropbacks in the state and some of the cleanest footwork of any quarterback in any class in Colorado. Yeah. And his throwing motion, it's oh my gosh. It, it was so nice to see. Like, I almost cried watching his throwing motion because I'm so used to some really janky throwing motions <laughs> yeah. here in Colorado. And I really pay huge attention to that. But he has a great throwing motion. It doesn't take a lot of time. And it's like, I want to, the thing that I put is it's a really structured throwing motion, but at the same time, it's loose too. So, you know, he looks really relaxed playing as clean as he does. And so, you know, that level of comfort, that level of confidence in his throwing motion and his footwork the base up it, it's going to make him a good football player and then he has physical tools like arm strength to back it up you know he throw he shows great um i want to say velocity or touch even a combination of both depending on what he's throwing you know he yeah. has some amazing corner routes that he throws where he just puts just enough where his receiver can catch it and keep their feet in bounds and the defender doesn't even have a chance to make a play on it really so you know, if he can develop like a high level of consistency throwing these same throws, you know, then I think that the sky's the limit for him. And, you know, like I said, 24 TDs to seven picks, you know, I, I talked about it in the negative sense, but that's a three to one TD to INT ratio. And that's pretty damn good if I'm going to be completely honest with you. And he, <laughs> this past season, he completed 65% of his passes. That is pretty astronomical for high school where the average is usually in the 50%. So 65% super, you know, blown away by that statistic. And it shows that, you know, that that is a reflection of the technique and fundamentals that he does so well. 
Simon, what are some things that you notice about Dorman? I know that I didn't touch on everything because there's just so much to like about this guy. Yeah, no. So we talked about touch and throwing with touch uh, with Isaac Cisneros. You know, Braden, he's just very natural with it, you know. He, his timing is excellent pretty much on all of his throws, you know. His throwing motion, like you said, is effortless. And, you know, the ball kind of just pops out of his arm, out of his hand, uh, just very naturally, you know, almost like a flick of the wrist type of deal. It kind of reminds me of the way Aaron Rodgers throws it a little bit as well. Um, if I had to throw out a motion that was similar to that. But I really liked it. You know, he just looks like whenever he plays, it just he makes it look so easy, right? Uh, just everything looks so natural. Like he doesn't, he rarely looks like he's getting rattled or anything like that, you know, but yeah, just his, his playing ability and his ability to command that offense at quarterback, you know, he was a big reason why this Vista Ridge team was able to take it to the next level this year. You know, they've always had some good athletes here and there, you know, shout out to Justice Laulu, um, I hope I said your last name right, but he's a big boy lineman over there that's blocking for Braden. And so the fact that he has a great quarterback behind him doing all of those things uh, says a lot, you know, because he's really pulled this team together. That's had some good players, you know, come out of there every now and then. But I feel like he's really like the X factor of this team and he will be that moving forward. And he really showcased that uh, this last fall as well. You know, he was able to, you know, just just duel it out with some of the best in the state. And he, he was very impressive there. And so I loved what I saw from him. You know, he's just a, he, he looks like a quarterback too, you know, uh, when you see him out there playing, he's just a very natural passer out there, a uh, pure pocket passer. And honestly, he warrants all the hype that he's gotten and a lot of the D one offers that he's gotten. So Cody, you want to talk about his outlook here? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad that you brought up his recruiting because like we said, we already prefaced, like, we have these expectations because Dorman's a D1 quarterback. And to back it up, you know, he's been, first off, he was named Colorado's number one 2023 prospect by, all right, I can't, I'm not entirely sure what this, what this uh, article is referencing or who it's from, but he's he was rated as the number one 23 recruit. So that's obviously a big deal. He has an offer to CU. He has an offer to CSU. He has an offer to mid-Tennessee. And yet his most recent offer is to Oregon State. So, you know, these are power five programs that he's getting offered to. And I think that the offers will only grow, if I'm going to be completely honest, because of the poise that he shows. So, you know, when you have these, it look, you have a lot of hype, right? Yeah. So what is my expectation of you? You know, it's talking about Colorado football. When you get back to a normal season, you should make a state championship, if I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah. I know that football is a team sport, obviously, so that's something to consider. But, you know, when you when you are that good, you should at least, you know, even make it to like, I, I'd say bare minimum a semifinal, if I'm going to be completely honest, right? You should be shredding. You should be running Southern Colorado, yeah. you know, your junior and senior year at the rate that you're going at. And then, you know, looking into college, obviously, look, the sky's the limit. At this point, you know, he's getting a lot of power five specifically from the Pac-12, you know, so it, you know, if he's able to go to the Pac-12, I do think that he can excel there. And, you know, those kind of air raid kind of offenses are not really air raid, but, you know, those spread well, offenses, you yeah, know, more or yeah. less. And I think that, you know, going through those progressions and manipulating the pocket kind of the way that we're talking about is going to allow you to succeed at that Pac-12 level and maybe even beyond. 
So those are the expectations that I have. What is kind of your outlook here? And, you know, if you had to, if you had to make some matches in heaven for uh, Dorman here, as far as colleges to go to or programs to succeed in, what would you say? Okay, so he's going to get more offers. I think that's a given. Uh, also, you didn't mention this one. Iowa State offered him, and that's arguably his best offer considering they have Brock Purdy right now who's a stud and is somebody who will probably be a high draft pick in the NFL someday. And to be honest, Brock Purdy actually has a lot of things similar to Braden Dorman as well. And so that would be an interesting transition. We already know that they've been recruiting solidly in our opinion you know they they finessed miles purchase and uh, a couple other uh, defensive players over there and that's uh that's big time because you know it helps to <laughs> it helps to have a great defense and then you just do your thing you know it sucks having a bad defense and then feeling like you have to score on every drive or you're gonna lose the game because that leaves no room for um I guess no room for mistakes, and that's a lot of pressure just in general. And so I like Iowa State a lot. I think that'd be a great fit for him. Um, but to backtrack real quick, I do think I think he has to go to a state championship game at least. Maybe not win it, or even uh, maybe even a semifinals game. You know, I'd like to see a kind of a deeper playoff run once things go back to normal, because obviously the playoffs will be re-expanded. You know, whenever that happens, so there'll be a couple games there. For sure, for him to prove himself. And I think he really does have a window this next year. And then after that, it might be a little bit tougher because they'll be graduating a lot of kiddos. But I think this next year might be the window for him uh, right now. So, well, this year, basically. And so, we'll see what happens there. Already does have a good couple offers. I'd probably say go out of state. I wouldn't I wouldn't want him at a CU or a CSU right now, especially because, you know, they got our boys McAllister and Wolverton over there. So it wouldn't make sense anyways. Um, it would make less sense to go to CSU Pueblo, too. I don't know why he'd ever do that. But just saying just saying that right now, if there's ever a weird scenario that comes up in the future here in like two years or so. Um, I'd be surprised if that ever happened. But I would definitely say go out of state. I like the Pac-12 and Big 12 for sure. I think those um, those conferences will allow him to flash his ability as much as possible. But, you know, there's, there's some downside to that as well just because, you know, there's some bad stigma that yeah. goes with both of those. And so I think he needs to keep that in mind. But I think those would be good fits. But ultimately, honestly... Like, if I had to pick one program in the entire nation that I'd love to see him at, it would probably be a Big Ten type of school. So I'm looking at a Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. I think, actually, Penn State would be a perfect fit for him, honestly, because they always surround, uh, you know, their quarterbacks with great talent despite never having <laughs> a great quarterback, unless you want to include Trace McSorley, but that's for a different reason. So there you go. But I think Penn State would be an excellent spot for him. Or a team like Penn State. That is one quarterback away, you know. I think that's that's the move here for sure. That's a great match, honestly. I really like that idea. And, you know, I think, you know, like you said, you know, Penn State consistently has offensive talent. And so I yep. think that he would be able to utilize it. And, you know, maybe even, obviously, this is down the road, right? We're talking yep. maybe 2025. Sheesh. That's, I'm not going to think too much about that. 27. Don't talk about it, bro. But, it, but, you know, I think that, you know, if he goes into a situation like that, that, 
you know, he can he might even be able to win a conference title yeah. on that Division One FBS level, and that means something. That means something too. So like, you know, obviously, I like that match. You know, anywhere he goes, I think that he can find success. Obviously, I prefer if he goes to a program that's a little bit more stable than these Colorado programs that are pretty unproven at this moment in time right now. So you mean a winning program? <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're saying here, because it's not just Colorado. I wouldn't feel comfortable if he was to go to Wyoming. No offense to Wyoming. Or even Oregon but, State is kind of a tough sell yeah. as well, because I've seen some pretty decent quarterbacks go in there, and then you know by the time it's by the time it goes to NFL time, you know they maybe be a seventh round pick, and I just think that his potential is higher than that. Yeah, if I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah, and you got to start thinking about the future with these things sometimes. So, you know, go go to a good situation. Just keep in mind though, it's not always a great thing to play hero ball. That doesn't always translate to being a first or second or early round pick in the NFL draft. If that's what he wants to do, which I assume that's probably what he wants to do um, as of right now. Maybe he'll join uh, Terrence Ferguson if Oregon offers him. Yeah. I could, see, I could see him having a lot of fun throwing to him in that other Nevada tight end too. So, it's true. you know, you got some weapons there. But, you know, I, I don't have too much else on Thorman here for Outlook. I think that we've laid out a pretty good map for him to at least look at. And uh, yeah. giving him some things to look, work on. So yeah, at the end of the day, there. I mean, even before we did this breakdown, there were a lot of high expectations for Dorman, and I think we have a lot of those same expectations for him, like we just said here. And so, at the end of the day, you just gotta play football, right? And you gotta prove us, either prove us right or prove us wrong. Please one of prove those us things, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like being wrong. Yeah, but either way, one of those things is gonna happen. So I think if he is feeling some pressure, because I think we need to address that real quick here, because there is a lot of pressure here, like going to state, because I don't think they even made playoffs. Did they, they? They they missed out, and I think it was mostly due to the contracted, you know, bracket a little bit. So okay. you know, you miss out on you miss out on Dorman playing, and you miss out on Skyline playing when things get well, wait. whittled down like this, but. How many losses did they have? Because Skyline only had one loss. I think basically. they had two. Oh, okay. All right. Well, sure. But either way, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to play. You know, you got to prove yourself. Um, this year, there are a lot of big-time quarterbacks who were running the state for a while. I really do think Braden is that next big-time quarterback to come from Colorado. And he has to play like it, though. Um, it's not going to be given to him because for all we care, especially this year, you know, this last season could have been chalked up to COVID and be like, oh, it's a COVID season. That's why he was able to do everything he could. Mm-hmm. So now it's prove yourself time and you got to be a dog out here and you got to compete. You know, even if you don't make state or if you don't make the semis, like show that you could compete and like keep your team in the game and like be a contender for sure, at least, you know, so yeah. that's what matters. That's what matters. So there you go. Cody, if you don't have anything else to mention here. Nope. Go ahead and do our outro. (laughs) If you don't have anything (laughs) else to mention here, you know, uh, that'll wrap up this episode. So make sure to follow us on all of our social medias. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok as well. And if you want to request players, because I believe most of these players, if not all of them, were requested at some point. Um, A lot of them we're getting to a little bit later, but that's fine. Make sure to include, excuse me, make sure to include the, the name of the player, the position they play, 
uh, and then what high school or where they're from because we are getting a lot of out-of-state requests now and we are probably going to continue to do those as we go on maybe not as much as like we did this this last week i would say but you know we'll, we'll do one every now and then and so with that being said you got to include the high school if possible <laughs> please link like a video to their highlight reel yes Yes. That makes our life so much easier. Yeah, especially to those who have very, like, no offense, but very basic names. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of John Smiths in the world, so I'm just going to leave it there. So make sure you include all those things. You can DM us um, pretty much on any of those social medias, or you can email us as well. I think our email is only in our TikTok, though. Um, but you can check it out there. And then make sure to check out all of our request episodes. We've been releasing a ton of those. Um, a lot of them have been doing pretty well, actually. And then make sure to follow. Us, uh, make sure to follow our TikTok account as well, so that you could uh, see some of these uh, breakdowns and see some of the highlights that these uh, players produce for y'all and for themselves. I would say. So I've been your host. Well, I've been your co-host. <laughs> Damn. Don't look at me like that. I've been your co-host, Simon Villanos. And I guess I'm just some guy on the show, Cody Stoffer. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace.